Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode number 58. You're with Paul Spain. You've got Bradley Burrows. And Skip Parker. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you very much for listening in. We have an action-packed lineup, as usual, this week. Uh... A bit of local news and a whole bunch of sort of offshore happenings from all sorts of companies, including Apple, Microsoft, Ubuntu, um, Google, and uh, and a few others. So um, we hope you will uh, you will you will enjoy. Now, first up, uh, Brad Telstra have been in the media this week with a little bit of a change they've made in Australia. I'm not sure this impacts uh, the New Zealand market at all at this stage. Uh, I think it's a a Telstra Australia story. Um, Can you tell us what they've been doing with their email services? They're ditching it. No, what they're going to (laughs) do is... um, So Telstra in Australia are getting rid of their current um, email provider, which is their... The name just loses me out of my head right at the moment. Their Big Pond. That's it. Their Big Pond email service. Which was an internal service, wasn't it? Yep. I mean, this was like uh, Telecom New Zealand, who used to provide basically their own email service to their customers. Yep. And then they've sort of outsourced outsourced that as, as to Telstra Yahoo. going through a similar process. Yeah, they are. And they've decided to go with the Windows Live platform, um, part of the Hotmail service. And it's, it's a big deal. I mean, it, you're looking at quite a huge customer base over there to migrate across. And what they're doing there is they're introducing local um, SkyDrive. They're going to have the obviously um, Microsoft apps are built in, just like Google Docs is the free apps. You get that as, as part of the Hotmail service there. So you've got the web-based sort of Word, yep. Excel, PowerPoint, OneNote. That's sort of the full – you've got a fairly full suite now, right? Yeah, pretty much in there. Um, unlimited storage is coming into the equation for all the um, Telstra users at the moment and their local storage centers over there. So it's going to be all the Windows Live, the security, anti-spam. So it's going to be going the full gambit. Yes, skip in the corner. Yes, <laughs> so a question from the corner here. Yeah. So does that mean that potentially uh, Kiwi SkyDrive users will start uh, leveraging off that? No. Or- no, this would be no. Australia specific, wouldn't it? I mean, yep. they're very Tell specific about Tell the Australia regions and where the data uh, centres go. Are we just a state of Australia in the Constitution? I could tell you a story which we'll do off air later about <laughs> something that happened today. But no, um, this will be for in, uh, almost like a closed loop within the Telstra network only, not ex- not for public facing. Right. I imagine yeah. ISPs in New Zealand, you know, could could negotiate, you know, could negotiate deals as well. I mean, obviously Telstra carry a lot of weight in Australia. They're a much bigger uh, telco than than any of the ones we have here in New Zealand but it's quite an interesting move because you know we've seen Yahoo playing in this space uh, you know as well offering these services as we see through Telecom New Zealand uh, and Google obviously you know working very very hard to win these you know similar sorts of opportunities um, so yeah it's quite interesting that uh, that Telstra have made that uh, that move with with the Microsoft suite yeah it, it's, it's a huge it's a huge move I mean it's like when like you mentioned Telecom over here when they used to run it they migrated across to um, Yahoo Mail that didn't go too well, if we remember that correctly. Can you remember all those days with the Yahoo well, messages? Well, the, the issues still go on with you know spam blocking and, and other sort, yeah. sorts oh, of yes. sorts yeah, of issues yeah. and, and cause uh, challenges for a lot of uh, New Zealand businesses. Who you know it looks like you know te- uh, extra or telecom have done something, but actually the issue is is mm. with Yahoo and Yahoo offshore and it's very very hard to somewhere get, deep in the middle of America sorted. Mm. Um, so I mean I think though over the last you know five years or so since it happened most businesses have smartened up and, and realized that having a 
extra.co.nz type email address isn't very professional anyway and you know most of them don't don't tend to run um, mm. you know don't tend to run the business email that way but there are still people that do and uh, you know and it definitely causes causes troubles from time to time so yeah so that will all start kicking in very very soon it's obviously quite a big move over there um, you mentioned about size and scale you got to remember when uh, your organizations like Google and Apple and Microsoft are looking at coming into the markets here they see Australia as your entry-level market the whole country yeah. so to get stuff into New Zealand yeah I think we're going to, we're going to have to piggyback off Australia when we need to like the situation mm. for, for mm. sure Australia is small business very very much so yeah very much so yeah, that's a that's a good point. You know, when you when you look at the sort of scale the, these companies, uh, you know, tend to operate at. Now, one of the things um, that I I guess would be a differentiator for what um, Microsoft are doing with Hotmail and the live services um, would be the way that they now handle things like photo attachments onto email. Um, my understanding is, you know, in a traditional email, you know, you can attach up to a certain sort of limit your attachments. Uh, but the way Microsoft are doing it with their um, uh, Hotmail and uh, and Live service now is you can just basically dump in as many photo attachments as you like, and those actually sit, you know, in a cloud service separate to the core email. SkyDrive, which, which sounds like quite a um, mm. quite a cool way of doing it, actually. Yeah, it uses SkyDrive, and they use Silverlight, which is one of the um, I suppose the ways to view the technology. And they basically what's it called? They they link it in some mm. small ways and pull that through. So it's a clever way of using cloud storage, which I think is twenty five or fifty gig with SkyDrive off the top of my head. Twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah. So they, they pull it into that, and then you've already got all your other um, services syncing in from that side. So it's where it's where again, you know. Other, your Googles and your Apples are all moving with the iCloud and everything else. You know, they're following the similar suit. Well, there's been a, a bit of movement in that space this week as well. Um, I noticed that um, there's 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 been a few sort of news stories floating around about changes with the SkyDrive service from uh, from Microsoft. Uh, and the rumor mill and and some screenshots we've seen, I think, from uh, a South American version of SkyDriver suggesting that soon there'll be paid options to bump up that SkyDrive storage from uh, the the standard 25 gigs that you get for free up to sort of, um, you know, much, much bigger um, sizes and in prices that I think start around 11 US dollars a year. So uh, quite a low cost to uh, to make to make that jump. And, and that will work on sorry Skip that will work on Microsoft and um, Mac systems as well right the pricing and, sounds very similar to the likes of Dropbox and those other services as well uh, no the big difference was I think that was the big that was a big difference because uh, Dropbox have been um, had some interesting things this week with with one of their beta versions where they're giving out a little bit of storage but of course the big difference with um, Dropbox is their storage you pay for on a monthly basis right and okay. it tends to be you know five ten twenty dollars a month uh, those sort of ranges US depending on what uh, what you need so it looks as though Microsoft are going in and competing at a much much lower price point um, I've actually got the page here so you get 25 gig when you sign up for just a Windows Live you get all the other services for free you want to add 20 gig into that ten dollars per year you want to add 50 gig twenty five dollars for a whole year you want a hundred gig on top of your 25 50 bucks for a whole year Hmm. So, so 100, 125 gigs. Estimated US prices, right, based on the leak, because these haven't been published yet? or is this, uh, this is on Engadget at the moment. So it, it's there. Yeah, they've got – these are actually public – no, these are public prices at the moment, they're saying. Been translated. 
one yeah, thing. Yeah, so it's not it's not an official Microsoft press release. It's it, you know it could be that somebody's faked the page, but from what we can tell, it looks pretty legit, right? Looks pretty good so far. Mm. If it's on the internet, it's going to be legit, isn't it? Of course. <laughs> That's how it works, isn't it? <laughs> it's real, it's real. Yeah, but yeah, go to Engadget and have a look on that. It's got some good articles on it. Um, yeah, but it is, if you are using our Dropbox at the moment and you're using the free service but you want a little bit more storage, have a look around because there are a couple of stories on how you can bump that up with um, with the beta by um, by installing that latest beta and, uh, and syncing photos off your camera. You can bump up your storage that way and you can also bump up uh, your storage by inviting some other users, so um, yeah, and I did that, which Thank is you, what everyone. Brad did by inviting uh, Skip and me um, on. So very, very cunning. Oh, look, I, I just the one, I, I'm a I'm a Dropbox fanboy. I love it to death. But walking in with two and a half gigs, I've filled that up. That's why I had to get more people on board. Yeah. You know, I would like to see an entry level of five or even seven and a half gig. Um, to get going because I've got well obviously we use a lot of this for recording the show um, I've got a lot of other video stuff on there you know it's a really good storage mechanism to use so I, I, I'm actually seriously thinking about buying paying for it now there is another thing about Dropbox it's got an open API on it so you can actually do some development stuff on it and some clever cats have started building automated services around Dropbox so you drop a file into your Dropbox this tool will go and check and do things to it and so mm. you, you can convert it to a different type of file in the cloud it, it just it seems unlimited so that side of it seems quite slick yes the sizing is still a bit of an issue in terms of the amount of capacity you have they've also launched a sort of a I guess what they're labelling as a business-oriented sort of uh, plan in in the last uh, month or two, uh, but one of the big issues around Dropbox from a business perspective, you got all these users uh, plugged in. It's not really geared up for managing securities and those sorts of things. So people, you know, uh, coming in or leaving your organisation, you potentially leave your data really at a lot of risk. Yep. So you know, just a little warning out there uh, from a business perspective at this stage, Dropbox probably is not the um, uh, the safest or the best product to be running and also um, you know some may recall the issues that they had I think it was uh, last year uh, where there was a period of um, I think maybe uh, four hours or six hours where they had a little bit of a bug in their software until they realized and you could get at anybody's content without being authenticated. So there are obviously some gaps in their security that they could, um, you know, leave such a big loophole open and allow people to access all your confidential stuff without, uh, without you know, secure without actually being the the relevant logged in user to access that. And I know they did lose a bunch of customers at that time. So the other thing to think about also is that while we all use Dropbox now, Mega Upload was just another file storage system. Forget that using mm. illegal content, but people could be put, people putting, using uh, it in that type of manner. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, as soon as Mega Upload went down, legitimate people, lots and lots of legitimate people, lost all their data. So, the the one thing I do like about Dropbox, obviously, it replicates it to other points around all other systems that you've got there. But just be aware that if you are putting everything in the cloud, to do have a local backup, man in the corner with the hand up. Yeah, no, and I've actually been playing around with the beta today, and one of the settings I've not seen in the previous version, but it may be new on this one, is the ability to switch on and off LAN connections in terms of if you're in office and you've got a number of Dropbox users all sharing stuff, the data replicates between the machines a lot quicker, which is great for an office environment, 
possibly great for a small business office environment if you're sharing non-critical data um, because it also synchronizes into your Androids and your iPhones mm, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. it's, it's, it's much like the, there's a, uh, the, the live mesh, which is part of the Windows Live suite that ties in with SkyDrive, you know, has had that similar feature sort of since day one. Um, but it, that actually allows you to synchronize really, really big amounts across PCs. So you might have, you know, uh, 50 gigs worth of data on one machine and you want that to be on all your machines from a backup perspective. It can actually do that all yep. over your local LAN without it actually going near the cloud. So you've got that extra option. So yep. if you're wanting that sort of data synchronization, then um, the live mesh service is also worth uh, worth looking at for that type of function, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see how SkyDrive goes. I mean, uh, for me, if they can start synchronizing a lot more automatically like through the live mesh tool and it's got a 5 gig synchronization limit if there's a chance they can increase that it could be a good win for everybody um, and I've never really had much joy with um, SkyDrive on my Windows phone in terms of sharing social media content so if I share a photo up via live drive um, SkyDrive um, it just doesn't work very well it doesn't shorten the URL from what I can see and for me I if someone sends me a... Um, that was a, one of the things they apparently announced today. Yes, that's the shortening service. So that mm. looks quite exciting. So it means I can actually uh, also include a message with my photo, which could be quite good. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is that um, sometimes I've just found that if... Uh, I think uh, Nigel Parker uses this quite a bit, actually, as well, using uh, the Windows Phone 7 to tweet up a photo and a SkyDrive link, and it just doesn't seem to work for me sometimes. It just You link to it, and it'll ask me for some username credentials, and then I just can't get in. It's kind of like, oh, there's something weird about this. So yeah, I think there's still odd. there's still a few bugs to iron out in terms of integration across all the platforms. Um, but, you know, it's uh, as a tool, I use it to store a lot of uh, personal photos between myself and my wife, um, sharing things in the cloud as a backup. It's great. No, I mean photos of the kids. Brad's looking at me kind of weird there. Um, but, you know, photos of, uh, of my son especially, just, you know, sharing those photos up in the cloud, it's great. Excellent. <laughs> now, in Apple News, yes, we have the new operating system coming for the Apple Mac. And what are you not allowed to call it? We're not allowed to call it Snow Lion. No, you're not allowed <laughs> to use the word Mac anymore. No, they've dropped Mac, haven't they? Yeah, so, Mac's gone. Uh, but, it's, but Mountain Lion is the name of uh, the new version of OX, OS X. Wow. wow. What the heck is a Mountain Lion? It's a sort of a smallish animal... My son loves lions, so I'll read a lot of these books. They're small, really petite, uh, agile, um, sort of sandy-coloured. <laughs> He's a new corporate face of Apple. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. A petite, sandy-coloured... You know, as in, they're not like <laughs> petite like a cat, but they're petite compared to other lions. Right. But I, yeah. I, what I'm reading online is the answer that comes up is cougar. So they're so. a 40-year-old female that walks around the Auckland Viaduct <laughs> at night. Fantastic, Apple. Well done. No, seriously. No, look, Mountain Lion's come along, um, and it's a, I would call it a minor release, not a major release. The reason I'm saying that is that what they've done is the key concept with behind it is taking a lot of the iOS, iPad, and iPhone technology and, and software and integrating it into their desktop and server platform, more the desktop side of things. Yeah, it's quite an interesting approach, isn't it? It'll allow you to, you know, you, you'll basically be able to run, um, you know, a lot of those iOS apps are going to be available to run actually on the, on the desktop and, um, you know, some of the things such as um, the AirPlay uh, display mirroring. So 
you will you will be able to um, uh, you know re- have your screen reflected and and or replicated onto uh, onto a TV or a projector that supports um, that that um, capability if you've got the right device plugged in, such as your Apple TV device, which is, sounds cool. So you've also got a, um, a real rich iCloud integration they're pulling through now, which is kind of interesting. Um, one of the interesting things for me was looking at was looking around the messaging side of things. They've got this their new messaging client, which allows you to talk between. Uh, the Mac ecosystem. So when I say that, oh, I can't use Mac anywhere. The Apple ecosystem. So whether it's an iPhone, an iPad, or a Mac device, it allows you to do a free messenger chat. So it bypasses that there. Um, and the other one, which we've talked about in other shows, which is the the new um, gatekeeper, where they're finally admitted. Yes, with Macs getting malware. So they're actually coming out there now, sandboxing their applications. They've actually said it's it's a, it's a malware. You've been able to get it for a while now, but officially they've actually finally admitted it, and they said, "Yep, we're going to." This is what Gatekeeper is primarily there to do. So it's great. I'm fine. I'm, I'm actually very proud of them. They're growing up a little bit, which is really good. So it, it'll be good. announced as a revolutionary breakthrough new device called Gatekeeper. It's been around a little while actually. It's been in some of the current it, revisions already. So but, is it actually a product that they have acquired from somewhere on the line? Because I'm pretty sure I've seen Gatekeeper for Mac somewhere else in yep. terms of a third party product. It was a third party product. It was Outworth. Snow Leopard um, as a third-party plugin. They then integrated into Lion, from what I can I read online, and then from there they've fully integrated it into Mountain Lion. Oh, good on you, Mac. Um, and g- again, and go to Engadget site. It's got a really good write-up on all the snow on all the gatekeeper stuff there. Yeah, and I mean they're moving to an approach where the default will be that you can only install apps that are in the App Store, which is, you know, I think will probably annoy some people, but from a security perspective. Uh, you know, it, it heavily reduces the chance that you're gonna you're gonna run into issues. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's, let's yeah, clarify this. Just... So you're saying that I go to this new operating system platform. You'll pop and... in your uh, your new application or game that you'd like to install, and it will um, say is by default is blocked and will not install because it's not coming from the app. Okay. Store. So by default, so I, there is a bypass mechanism. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. good. Because yeah. I mean that just kills the open source community overnight, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's just craziness. So one of the other new things they've got, they've taken off the iPad, is the notification, which is on the iPad at the moment. You slide down on the top there. Yep. This one, they've got it coming in currently in the current beta version. From the right-hand side, it slides in, and you get these email notifications. Now, I was reading up on this because I watched a video on actually it in action, and the guy that was demoing it was showing us the email notifications up and working, and they come up on the right-hand side, and they sit there for five seconds. Oh, and at the moment, you can't change the time that they're there. So you can yeah, imagine getting a to, lot of email. That. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's coming through. But look, it, it's a it's a minor revision. It's not a major. Um, two things for me, and I, I've sort of picked this up on a few other blogs that are out there. Um, Apple stung this on the world. No one knew about it was coming. There were no leaks. There was nothing. And the second thing, is it a direct compete to what Windows 8's doing? They're trying to get into market before Windows 8. Interesting, because it is. It does feel like it's a a move towards a combination of operating systems for devices. It feels rushed, and I don't know why I feel like that. 
I well, don't know I why. think let's give it. I mean, let's give it some time. I haven't had a chance to actually download the uh, the developer preview, which is what's out now, uh, and we will definitely be trying to do that over the next few days and sort of you know get get a real give it a real good hands on impression. You've got to have a device at, that can at, run at, it. At the moment, it's uh, second hand. Uh, most of the info that we've we've got. Uh, bear in mind, some of the older uh, Macs won't actually be able to run it. That have been able to run um, current um, OS X line, um, but um, I'll probably fire it up on. Uh, on my MacBook Pro and uh, and try and have a look at that over the next few days. I give money on the table, pull downgrades uh, six days later. And I've actually seen it in action. A friend of mine's got it installed. Excellent. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Well, thank thanks for that, guys. It's um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be fascinating. Just um, you know, to see how Windows 8 and uh, our Mountain Lion sort of you know compare once uh, once they're released. Very different beasts, but. Both taking um, that that approach of merging the desktop and the mobile operating systems will bring them a little bit closer together. I, I do not think it's going to be an interesting couple of years for us as consumers, as not only Microsoft are doing this uh, by the looks of things, and Apple are doing this by the looks of things. You know, merging the desktop and the mobile platforms. I well, mean, so, like, so, Linux, so, so, so is Google. So and, got yep. Google. Google are doing it. Linux yep. are doing it. They're embedding Android code into the kernel of yep. Linux and stuff. It's just going to be, an, I reckon it's going to be an interesting couple of years, probably a rocky few years for us as we oh, get yeah. used to a whole new way of using operating systems. I think along the way we're going to see a lot of advantages and, you know, it's not going to be a it's not going to be a boring time uh, in terms of technology and, and consumer electronics, and we're really starting to see that I guess a coming to, together of uh, of technologies, and you know we're starting to see this in the um, in the TV sort of space now, where we've got TVs that have really got an embedded computer built into them with the smart TVs. Yep. We've got all sorts of uh, various set top boxes that you're able to plug in. You've got your mobile device that can push content straight up to a TV. Or, or through a set-top box. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's really it's a great time um, to be around technology. The the flip side of it, it is that it's potentially a little bit expensive if you want to keep up with all of the moves as mm. they happen. And, you know, give it three, four, five years, a lot of the technologies that maybe we you know people are betting on today will have actually fallen by the wayside and and you know probably we will you know we'll end up with um with maybe not quite so many options in the market but uh you know for now there's a whole bunch and um yeah it's it's not it's not boring at all um and you know talking about that tv space and so on in the last few days of course we've heard that um apple have been taking the um the apple tv off the off the shelves or it's sold out in a lot of stores and that often indicates the um the release of a new a new product so there is certainly a little bit of speculation going around about a, a new uh, apple tv device whether it be a full-blown tv or just a new uh a new box that maybe delivers uh, full HD, which the current Apple TV does not do. Can I suggest that possibly both? Possibly, mm. yes. So possibly what they'll do is they'll take the old Apple TVs and they'll just rebadge them as new ones with an operating system upgrade. The cynic would say in me, of course. Oh, I don't think that's like Apple. They'd, they'd change something. <laughs> Put a camera in it. <laughs> well, they have to have they they have to be able to bump it up from version two to version three so that everyone will buy it. Because if version two can just get a software upgrade and do the same thing, then people won't pick the other one up and put it on Trade Me and buy the new model. Make a um, white one. Everyone bought white iPhones. Just make a white Apple TV too. 
Yes, all the old stocks heading back to China to get spray paint on them. <laughs> anyway, look, yes. Ubuntu have actually also, we're talking about new operating systems, have released 11.10 of their Enrique Ocelot operating system. Are you talking about Ubuntu? Yes, I am. <laughs> and um, you say Ubuntu, I say Ubuntu. And, I love it. And basically what they've done, we talk about this merging of, of the desktops and the tablet devices. Well, this has actually got, again, a lot of that merging of the, the new interface that they've brought across there. And there's been a lot of negative reaction when the earlier 11.0 came out. Mm, now, 11.1 is um, starting to merge things together. And obviously, it was the Unity launcher. So it's a very yep. Mac-like with the, the taskbar down there. But they've also had a lot of the new touch interface there. Now, I had a play with this over the weekend. And I really like it. It's really, really good. It's, I didn't use it on a tablet device. I just used it on a spare PC I had lying around. But I'm really keen to see this working on a tablet because I like the, the touch interface. Now, that's one of the big things it got really panned for. And to me, this thing was for the first time I was actually going, ooh, this, this is competitive. This is really competitive in the market. So I'm quite excited about this coming out. I think if you get a chance, have a download of this and have a play. Again, it's all free. Um, it's in the open source community. And it was I, I, read, I went out and did some more research on this, and it's actually got some good gaming performance in there as well. So there is really starting to get into that real consumerization for us as just general consumers up and running. And there's a lot of new tablets that are rumored to be coming out with Ubuntu, this version of it with a touchscreen interface in there. But the, again, the Unity backlash is quite high in the forums, and I, was, I made a comment on, oh, I quite like this, and wow, did I get a spanking from some purists. <laughs> but no, look, it's, it's a really good chance if you're out there and you do want to have see what's going on in the open source community. If you are only sort of Mac or Windows focused, it's a good, this is a this is now, right now is the right time to have a look at this operating system to see how it compares to the Mac and the Windows world. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point because the user interface um, has, re- has really improved a lot. And, you know, I think some people always think of, of Linux of being this sort of scary, crazy, um, you know, operating system for real tech heads. Uh, but, but it is now becoming something that's much more accessible to a mainstream uh, audience. Yeah, and, and the installation of this thing is so simple now. It is, it is up there. I mean, the Windows 7 installation is really, really clean. Um, Mac installation is, pre- is very nice if you're doing it on, another, on a Mac device. Um, and this is up there. And you can do it off a USB key or a CD. Or are you suggesting there are other ways to it, other devices you can install the Mac operating system on, uh, Brad? Well, we can actually do a show on that one night, actually, <laughs> if you want a bit, of a, a bit of a play one night. We can, we can, yeah, we can talk about that one. Yep. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, now... <laughs> Windows has been uh, in the media again. When Windows 8, as uh, you know, we're, we're coming up to the end of the month, and in the next uh, in the next few days, we will be seeing. Um, well, next week we will be seeing the Windows 8 uh, consumer preview. So, uh, so that's not not too far off at all. But uh, in the last few days, there was a leak of a new uh, Windows 8 logo, and then that's uh, that's become official. In uh, in the in the last few days, and it looks to um, sort of more like the Windows 1.0 logo than, than virtually uh, uh, anything else. It's isn't interesting, it? isn't it? I love it. A lot of my friends that are in the Microsoft world do not like this. They're like, it's very bland. But I think it's gone clean lines. Yeah, really, really nice. Okay, what do you think, Skip? You've had a bit of a look. Yeah, I don't. I don't really care. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, 
it's it's branding. We know it's Windows, and I yeah, I'm not yeah. It's just it's just branding. I, I'm not really excited about it either way. It seems it seems to fit with their new Metro sort of style, and that it's just flat and simple, and and uh, you know that that's the, I guess the new way. But yeah, whether it would make any difference to the sort of sales of the product or not, um, yeah, but know, look, somebody somebody will tell you what impact that would have. But I think they did have to change it so it fits with the rest of the format. And and as you know, someone raised, hold on, why did we have a a, f- a flag? as a logo for um, an operating system called Windows. I, I disagree with Skip on this. Um, a brand no, a brand is important and people's perception, and I mean this is the, the classic perception of Windows Vista, right? Whether you loved or hate Windows Vista, people's got, it was it was a bad product. Everyone said it was a bad product. The Microsoft did that thing called the, was it the Mojave Project or something, where they were in San Francisco, they, were, they said we're going to get people to test this new operating system. They had to play with it and everyone's going, oh my goodness, this is so much better than Vista. And they said, actually, we'd like to tell you, this is just Windows Vista, you've been playing with it. And they went, but all my friends and all the marketing told me that it was a bad thing. And the name, the Vista name, Everyone laughs when you mention that brand now, don't they? So if you can change people's perceptions, it helps bring up and reinvent things. And and it's I mean it is certainly important that they differentiate Windows from version to version, and and that's part of what this is all about. And you know I th- I think it um, you know it's certainly an important part of that that process. Yeah, but for me the logo is not as important as the name itself. Windows. Agreed. Windows is what I think of it's not that I think of the swirly flag which is probably why people these days have gone oh yeah why did we have a flag in the first place it seems a bit weird because only in hindsight we go back and think about the actual logo when we were all used to seeing the four panels as it were in a window type shape so we never kind of twigged that it was a flag or anything like that so people shop with their eyes Yep. And the, a new brand, if they get the brand right and the perception around that brand right, if you see the back of a, when you're watching TV and you see the little white glowing apple, you don't need to see the apple name, that is apple, right, that brand. And the same thing with the flag, if you can see the new design of the brand and without having to have it saying Microsoft Windows 8, you'll know that that is a Windows 8 PC. I just so, don't, I don't know about that one, actually, to be honest, because uh, when it comes to PCs, and this is, everyone's looking at me now, I swear, when you come to PCs, people go and look at the HPs or the IBMs or stuff like that because they look like slick pieces of hardware. They don't tend to necessarily trigger with a flag or a square box on the thing. It does in the case of Apple because... The Apple brand has been marketed around that. I just, I don't know if people are going to run to the stand and go, oh, look, it's the Windows brand. Rather, they'll look at it and go, oh, look at this. This is the Samsung Series 9 or 7. This looks slick. So what would you say if you could see the Windows logo on the back of the laptops like they do with the Apple? I I just wouldn't resonate with me. Really? No, it's interesting because I saw, I was watching an episode, I was watching an episode on Netflix of Bones and he opened uh, the the agent guy Scully whatever it was, he opens up a laptop and it had a micro it was a it was a Microsoft uh, little Windows flag thing yeah it was not Windows really. logo. yeah and had yeah. one on there and I went interesting they've interesting. done a little bit of that product placement yeah. uh, recently and and it is quite an interesting approach but you know what it highlights to me is just how well Apple's approach has worked one of the one of the things that Apple is, has is that consistency. And if you go to, and, and say, Webstock that I was at last week, you go to a conference like that and you look around. I, I heard um, one of the, uh, somebody reporting uh, from, a, from a sort of an Apple perspective on the conference saying, oh, you know, how many, uh, you know, 
how much Apple gear there was there. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because that was the main logo that you would see. But if all of the PC laptops, for instance, were open, and there were a lot of those around as well, uh, if they had a, a Windows logo on there, um, then, you know, you would see, oh, actually, there's, there's a bit of both. But the difference is every Apple product over a long, long time has had the same logo on it. Correct. So when you open, when you see a PC, there might be a Lenovo, an HP, an Acer, and you know, there's just such a, a whole variety of logos. So it's uh, it's it's very nicely played the way Apple represent their brand yep. and and uh, and keep doing so. And you'll very, very often see a, a musician, a DJ, or a speaker at a conference open up their laptop and or a, barista. a big, big glowing Apple, big glowing Apple logo. And it could be a really rubbishy machine that's sort of six years old and doesn't go very well, uh, but it's still got this, you know, big you know logo apple. that's you know that, apple. That shining there, and, and they do a great job of it. And then you notice the speakers reaching into their bag to try and find the dongle to connect to the projector and realize they've left it at home. <laughs> You no, know it's true. No, you know it's true. No, I, 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 I agree with Paul on this. You, you can walk into a room and you can distinguish straight away all the Apple hardware, but then everything else, whether it's nice hardware or not, you just don't know what it is. And you don't know... It, it's created this, this sort of ecosystem around it. I, and I, yeah. I totally agree. I would like to see a Samsung, an HP... Uh, I'm not sure if the IBMs would make it because they're you know they're not cool anymore. Are they? I'm teasing <laughs> you, Paul. I'm teasing. Yeah, but like imagine having no. Imagine having HP with the HP brand with the Windows logo and the IBM with the IBM and the Windows logo. And I, don't, all that I don't know if you. Well, get IBM buy-in don't make laptops for PCs anymore anyway. Oh, Lenovo. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you'll get the buy-in to be honest on that because the the PC inf- uh, ecosystem is more than just Windows. It's Linux and True. it's all the other things. So it's going to be interesting to see if they could do that. I just don't know from a historical precedence whether it's going to make any difference if it's going to make any more ground on the Apple brand by having a logo a Windows logo at the back but I'm not a marketing person so I don't know so my final thought there is I've got a lot of people that have Apple hardware that don't run Mac they run Windows on it yeah exactly I know quite a few people too because they, they love the Apple hardware they hate the Apple operating system but they want to put Windows 7 on there Hate's a strong word. No, there is some definite hate going on there, trust me. <laughs> when you talk to them, oh, why don't you job? No. Um, now, what's what's going on with the iPads? There's, there's been a whole lot in the um, uh, that we've been hearing over the last uh, week or so around uh, trademark uh, dispute with the iPad name uh, in China. Now, yes. if, we, if we go back about um, three years... Apple um, did a deal to buy the iPad. You know, they did one of their um, um, situations where they they uh, they had a product ready to go, and they they needed to actually own the trademark. And they went out and uh, and managed to acquire the trademark, or so we understood. But now now there's some dispute over uh, over that agreement. Yep. Just to leave on, they did not invent the iPad name. I've had this argument with a few people. They went, no, no, they invented the iPad. No, there was already companies out there using the name of a brand because an iPad, and one of them was called ProView, um, which is based in China. And there's two sides to the story I've heard on this. Apparently, Apple already paid them some money about three to four years ago, like Paul said, and they're coming in for second dibs. The other side of the argument I'm also hearing is that they've never actually paid ProView any money, and ProView have actually won some court cases in local China, which have got the iPads from being blocked, but in Hong Kong, Apple won it two days ago, and they can start shipping again. So there's this real stouch going on between 
Chinese law and Hong Kong law, and ProView said, well, we're a Chinese company. No iPads are coming into the Shanghai, I got it right, region of China. And at the moment, they're actually physically getting them removed from stores. And there's actually video and photos of people actually pulling these out of the stores at the moment. So it's an interesting thing because Apple's going to have to go in and work out what they're going to do here. Because if this spreads, they could be in a bit of trouble. Well, the pro- I guess the problem is if, um, if the trademark arrangement they have covers and my understanding was it covered 10 countries but did not cover China if that is actually the case the problem is for them to export out of China which is where they're all mowed at this stage um, they're not going to be able to export any uh, any product well they won't be able to move them outside of the door of the factory without them getting taken away yeah so there's a potential problem and, and some reports are suggesting it could cost Apple as much as 1.6 billion to uh, to resolve this particular dispute now that, they've got the money though they can, that's they? probably at the high end and 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 it's almost pocket change for uh, for for Apple at the moment it's uh, you know probably about two percent of what they've got sitting in the bank so you know probably not going to be a big deal for Apple I'll just work through it and it's probably not likely to have a big impact on on sales or anything um, but yeah all these trademark disputes that we keep coming across are um, just just annoying if if you know, is is the main thing I think, and uh, but yeah, along the way, some uh, some people are profiting. Now, also in iPad news, there's been uh, there's been a few leaks suggesting that we're going to see an eight inch iPad uh, yes. coming through in the next uh, potentially in the next few weeks, and also potentially an iPad three, which may have four times the resolution of the current iPad, which will bring it. Uh, not quite in line with the um, the the density of the uh, or the the the, um, the pixel density of the iPhone uh, 4 and, and 4s, but still very very high res display for uh, for the size of the device. So I have two questions for you guys. Would you buy? But wait wait before you answer. <laughs> Would you buy an eight inch iPad? And is this Apple's response to they realise that the Kindle Fire is actually a real threat because it's just become the number two tablet in the US at the moment, just overtaken Samsung? So I'll go to Skip first. No, I wouldn't. Mainly because it's probably going to cost still a pretty penny. Yeah. And I'm still waiting to see how the market goes this year, so I probably won't look at getting a tablet till the end of the year, to be honest. Okay. Uh, Kindle, interesting thought. I. It does seem... I mean... Maybe the tempo is that they are due to release an iPad 3. Um, but an 8-inch version of it? Cause that's it does seem a little unusual. I mean, I would have thought they would have kept the same form factor because the retooling the factory can be a bit of a challenge. Um, but getting a new better cameras into those things would probably be a higher priority than a slightly yeah. bigger screen, to be honest. Smaller screen. Smaller screen, sorry. What about you, Paul? Oh, I think there's plenty of room in the market for the multiple form factors, and we're really seeing that with Kindle Fire and a lot of the other Android devices are, um, that are most popular tend to be the smaller sizes, partly because of the price point. And you know, if we look at what Apple are doing with their other products, whether it's um, the MacBooks and um, the Macs and even the iPhones and iPods, there's a whole range of devices. There isn't just one device. And so, you know, you look at the iPhone, you can go back to an iPhone uh, 3GS. So they've got these various price points, and it probably makes a lot of sense that uh, that they have two price points for the iPad as well. And you'll buy one anyway, so I don't need to ask whether you're going to buy one. So does that mean we're going to see an iPad Nano? <laughs> We've pretty much got that already. Yeah. <laughs> but look, for the other thing with the um, 
that for an app that's come through is they've released WinZip for the iOS operating system as well. Yeah, that's interesting. Good on um, Corel, isn't it? That own uh, that own the WinZip product these days. I'm a WinZip fanboy. I love WinZip. It's so I've used it since day dot. The I've used it when the old DOS version was out. It was fantastic. PK Zip and all those tools. <laughs> Yeah, just trying to figure out why, to be honest. Well, look... I mean, as a reader, perhaps, yeah, but I, why? Zip? And a, and a well, and well a I pen. guess, the, you know, the, the, one, of the, one of the issues with, um, you know, iOS and, and, um, and, you know, I guess is that it's not really geared up for file storage and, you know, with a file system for being able to attach files and so on. So, you know, a tool like WinZip, you know, potentially allows you to have some storage and then, you know, allows you to push things off in various directions. So, yeah, there's, there's probably some value in it as a tool, I would think. It'll be just to see how it goes. I mean, it's not a bad idea. It just seems a little unusual for the style of product that it is, you know. Brand awareness. Everyone downloads the app and goes, I've got to have it on my other device. Got to have WinZip. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just got to have it. It's an app. It's a new app. It's, it's right. funny that it's still got the Windows... Uh, um, you know, name it or the win for uh, that's true for, for Windows so what in would front it be? of its be a pad zip or something. I yeah, guess right. I would. We'll, no. we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, do not go into naming of products. That's what you're never ever going to do as a career path. <laughs> now, um, Stephen Fry is in New Zealand at the moment. Oh yes, we've heard all about Mr. Fry today for the uh, for the filming of some big um, movie to do with hobbits. Um, and he had a little bit of a rant on Twitter, didn't he? Can I correct you? He didn't have a little rant. He had a massive rant. <laughs> Humongous rant. Got Telecom to actually respond to his Twitter rant. Oh, well, I mean, you know, people on Twitter, you know, companies will respond respond to any anyone in a lot of cases, although they didn't get a formal uh, mention in terms of their Twitter handle today, but um, yeah, it was it was interesting just to see the overreaction, and and I guess we're joining into that by uh, by even mentioning one man's uh, mad rant about uh, internet performance. Um, but he's a hundred percent correct. I'm sorry, he is. But you know, I mean, that's uh, I mean, hopefully that's going to improve over the next couple of years anyway. But uh, I did have to find it a little bit funny that the guy was ranting about. Uh, uh, broadband access in New Zealand when in fact uh, the company he's currently employed by probably chews up most of our international bandwidth and uh, video editing and data transfer back to the states so yeah it's a bit funny well and and the weirder guys have got the you know probably yeah some of the biggest connections there are so yeah. who knows where he was at and you know whether it was a hotel internet connection whether it was no, uh, I, no, I, I, a filming no, location no or, we actually know it's at a mate's house and his mate, he blew his mate's data cap, and they they um, telecom took throttled his account, and he couldn't they couldn't use the internet. To oh, even so get out. he was on the wrong type of plan, basically. So it was yeah. it was his own. But know, he's saying right. that he was just uploading a few simple files, and the plan just blew out, and then the rest of the world shouldn't be like that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, you go. But in saying that, I mean that's some of the experiences that international visitors are getting when they come to New Zealand, especially in hotels. Exorbitant, exorbitant, exorbitant fees for mm. using very little data in hotels. And um, it's, but that can it's be the case in any country in the world. There are plenty of places you can actually go and get stung for, you know, a, a silly rate to use internet at that hotel. This and, is true, but you know, it, I guess it happens a lot more from a New Zealand perspective because you know it's uh, 
does cost us a little bit more for internet down here. But hey, you know, he, he is correct. And But that's what a lot of the forums, like the high-speed broadband forums, are trying to address is how do we improve the infrastructure? How do we get to a point where broadband is a cheap commodity to use in New Zealand? So I guarantee you tomorrow, because we're recording this tonight on Monday, I guarantee you tomorrow that this will be in all the newspapers. There'll be an article on that. It's already made New Zealand Herald. I gar- It'll be everywhere tomorrow. I guarantee you this will just get mainstream. They'll have, they'll have one of the politicians on air by tomorrow evening on the news around this. I guarantee it. I put a jaffer on it. A jaffer? A whole jaffer. I see your jaffer and I raise you a snifter. All right, you're on. <laughs> I just don't think it's, a, it's such an exciting topic. But anyway, it's um, there you go, Stephen Fry. You, We have given you all sorts of attention, whoever the hang you are. Um, I'm just I'm just kidding I'm just kidding Um, we actually sent him a tweet today and invited him to uh, join us on the podcast but apparently he's quite busy with some job that he's here to do Um, so um, yeah never mind Righto. Now, um, I guess that's uh, that's really most of our most of our topics for uh, for this week's episode. Now, um, Skip, there's been the um, the high speed is it the high speed internet forum that's uh, that's on um, the first half of this week. Mm. Um, now, you've been uh, you've been catching some of, some of that. They've been streaming online as yep. as well as uh, being a free event to attend. Uh, what are what are your interpretations of uh, of what's going on there? What are the highlights? Um, the, I've been chewing through a lot of the stuff from the first day, and it's kind of just a, an awareness of where the market is going, what's happening within the uh, the global uh, high-speed broadband spaces, where the growth is, and what some of the growth points are. You know, where the da- where the data travel is going, and and what sort of products are being used on the net. I mean, television is huge. IPTV is massive, and one interesting stat is that uh, one of the one of the biggest consumers of IPTV is the seven-minute video on average is what people are tuning into so it's the yeah. YouTube type clips mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of like uh, for those who are sort of thinking about starting web TV or stuff like that you know seven minutes might be all that's needed and what's really interesting I was trying to tie this up to something that I watch reasonably regularly on Comedy Central which is uh, Robot Chicken it's a series from the States brilliant show it's quite funny but it's only 15 minutes long mm. each episode and I guess we're starting to see a lot of people starting to tune into that bite sized video content uh, to consume and then move on, so um, it's going to be interesting. I um, they're obviously uh, trying to think about ways that we can actually encourage growth in the New Zealand market space on the tail of uh, the announcements of ultra fast broadband and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it it is interesting. I mean, as at this stage, it's a lot of uh, high level discussions about where things are heading. Um, so yeah, I I think it's going to be. An interesting couple of years because it's not guaranteed that broadband's going to grow in the country if we throw out fibre. There's certainly they're sort of saying in the likes of Europe, it, the uptake still hasn't been super large for various reasons, of course. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a great forum for a lot of the industry to get their head around what is coming, what they can do with what's coming, and how they can improve what is coming anyway. So. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I guess, you know, let's hope some good things come out, come out of this and, um, you know, it, it brings change where it's needed. Now, also in, in the last few days, there's been uh, a few 
bits of sort of mobile news, I guess. Uh, we've heard uh, and we tweeted about this during the week that uh, Motorola have uh, announced uh, a schedule for availability of Android 4, Android Ice Cream Sandwich on uh, on their devices. Uh, so that information is, is now out there. Um, there's also been a bit of news around uh, Windows Phone with uh, Nokia holding their first uh, press announcement in New Zealand around uh, their Lumia 800 and 710 uh, products, which are coming to uh, coming to us here in New Zealand officially in March through Telecom and Vodafone. Yep, just on that, Telecom will carry the 710, and they'll, they'll solely carry the 710, and then the 800 is going to be between both products. No word on whether 2 Degrees will take this up yet. Yeah, I mean, I sort of alluded to it last week that I was, I was getting the feeling we're going to see something from... Uh, from two degrees in the Windows Phone space, and um, yeah, I think it's it's likely to be, in my impression, there's a good chance it will be with the Lumia product range that we will we will see um, two degrees jump into the space. But I mean, let's wait until we see some formal announcements. But I, I think they they're uh, they're, they're going to move forward. Uh, now, the other thing around uh, Windows Phone is that uh, in the last week. Those with with what's the most popular Windows phone in the market in New Zealand at the moment, the uh, HTC Trophy, have been uh, able to get the uh, the latest update that gives them uh, tethering capability, which of course wasn't in the initial release of uh, Windows Phone 7 when it launched, uh, but was in the Mango update, but it required appropriate hardware and firmware changes, and uh, all those old... Uh, Old devices, sort of, you know, roughly adding 16 to 18 months old now, are able to get uh, tethering or internet sharing capability. Um, quick thing you mentioned around the Android ice cream sandwich operating system. Google have also announced the next one, Jelly Bean, will be out within the next four to six months. So have be they made a formal announcement now? Because there were some rumours nope, floating around formal. last week, and uh, so there's a there's a Goog- there's a there's a big Google powwow happening and they're going to do some show-offs there but I was listening to a particular show today and they were talking about all the announcements that had come out from it so they reckon four to six months is when it'll be out um, and they were, the discussion was around whether the people better get it to market fast enough because ice cream sandwiches is still getting released well that wraps us up for this week we have uh, we've run out of time but thank you everyone for listening in you will find us online if you'd like to get in touch uh, you can drop us all an email team at nztechpodcast.com we would love to hear from you on Twitter or Facebook too um, and if you want to keep up with the tech happenings and consumer electronics news during the week then definitely follow us uh, through those channels on uh, Twitter we are or twitter.com we are nz tech podcast uh, we're also facebook.com slash nz tech podcast and our official website where you'll find all sorts of interesting resources about ufb and other topics such as getting netflix via vpn in new zealand you can find all of that at nz so thanks very much for listening in we will catch you next week bye bye cheers 